We haven't heard the recorder for so long. I'm starting to miss it. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so yeah, welcome people. Uh, you just listened to Fractured World Alpha episodes one through three, and now we did another uh, another little intro bit, a little bit about us and the podcast, and we're calling it episode double zero because it's the one after zero, but it's not episode four. Not to be confused with Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zero. Yes, because that's an anime television show about fighting robots. Yes. This is a tabletop RPG game slightly about fighting robots. So this is kind of our follow-up episode to episode zero, and this is mostly about podcasting and what we're going to be doing with the podcast moving forward. We're going to talk about how we had the idea for the podcast, how we ended up solving a lot of podcasting problems we had, and we're going to talk about what is going to be coming up in the future, uh, the four different campaigns that each of us are going to be GMing. Uh, yeah, my name is Mike, and I am the GM for Shanghai Station. Uh, introduce yourselves, uh, Danger, Dylan, and Jared. Hi, hi, hey, how's it, how's it going, peeps? I'm Danger. Uh, I am the dungeon master for the Fractured World story and the artist for uh, Warp Lords. And uh, yeah, how's it going, Internet? The Internet responds with a resounding, Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's all that we can ask for. We're heading into the into the winter, and seasonal seasonal depression affects all of us. So, uh, not me, dude. I live in Texas. Stay. Fuck you. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Hi, I'm Dylan, and I am the DM for the Mizzen campaign, which is the original universe that I created when I was ten years old, and continued to fuck around with for almost twenty years now. And I made Warplords because of that. And just throwing this out here, objective fact, fall is the best, followed by winter, then a power gap, followed by spring, and then several more power gaps, and then summer. You had me at fall. Texas weather, those seasons, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I like fall. I have to say fall is definitely the best one. Segue on to I am Jared. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I I'm I'm doing the neckbeard supreming of the of the Nine Realms game that we just started up. Uh, I also make the music stuff that we use for the podcast, and I make these noises. Um, so if you're annoyed by that, it's me. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. Hold on, recorder solo. I'd also like to add that Jared and I are going to be doing editing. Right now, I'm doing the bulk of the editing, but ultimately, I think Jared and I are going to be sharing that responsibility. So if you like the editing, you have us to thank for that. If you only like half of it, you can thank me. Yes, <laughs> that. <laughs> and I also think we should mention, it, it, currently, we do have other two other players. Uh, you probably only met one of them so far. That's Graham, and he plays Dennis Stanson, the silver-tongued politician. And we also have Devin, who is currently playing in the Nine Realms campaign and Shanghai Station. And uh, Miss. Uh, you'll meet him later. 
Oh, and Missin. Yeah, he's playing as Steve in Missin. <laughs> Let's, uh, I mean, actually, I think this would be a good time for Jared to talk, because I think, I don't know whose idea it was to start a podcast, but, uh, yeah. I get credit. <laughs> Jared does get the credit. I don't know. Uh, we... Uh, we were playtesting warlord, <laughs> warlords, warplords together, <laughs> and one of us, who we won't name, was like, what if we did a podcast? An idea that no one has ever had before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not, Twitter not says otherwise. <laughs> well, Twitter is just fucking wrong. Hey, hey. Don't, don't anger the twi- the tweeters. Yeah, well, we were like... Pfft. Let's let's do it, and then we got better stuff so that we sound less shitty, and then figured out how to make a podcast. It's surprisingly not that complicated. It just it takes a bit of a practice. Just takes time, and trial and error, and effort. Yes, yes, it does. Uh, yes. Yeah, so what you just listened to was the alpha arc. Let's talk about uh what we did before we even jumped in at all about the uh the alpha episode and the heist of happenstance yeah so like the the practice stuff yeah yeah i think you should talk about that you're the one you're the the brains behind all that this that is uh very true um so before everything got started when uh everyone was kind of working uh their characters together we originally did just a test session and i just wanted to do like a simple combat session with everyone um <clears throat> and that way i got a feel for how everyone's character was going to work and how i could balance the campaign moving forward um it ended up being non-canonical because the audio wasn't usable whatsoever, but it was kind of a good litmus test for us moving forward. Then we jumped into the first thing that we ever recorded, which was the heist of happenstance. Uh, happenstance being the operative term as all of our uh, players of the Fractured World campaign uh, got together at a gala that takes place in Mecha Luna. Uh, shenanigans ensued. Thievery occurred, and it started off the plot for the Fractured World story that you just started listening to. Unfortunately, I don't know if that audio is ever going to be in a state to be released, but it was a good time, and it got us prepared for the campaign. I think it it will be salvageable in the future if we have extra time with a lot of the things we've learned and the things I've learned about making audio sound better. Yeah. uh, I think we'll be able to do it. It, w- it it was a good time. I I had a fun time. It was something different uh for me to DM, you know. Man, you know, I feel like I have this memory of trying to edit that and it was really fucking hard. Oh, the alpha. You're talking about the alpha though. So I No, 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 like the first thing we ever recorded. Yeah, no, that's the alpha. I think it was the That high- was no, the we we recorded that combat sesh and it was only two channels. Remember that's when we realized we needed to use multi-channel. Yeah, it was before we we uh, were even able yeah, to yeah. use multi-track. Yeah, cuz the the two channels we just weren't like we we've gotten better at not stepping on each other and But yeah, you're right. like using good practices now, but then it was only the only person who had their own channel was Danger. And the rest of us were just doing shit. and We're all mixed on one, yeah. And Graham, that's before we even figured out how to make the microphones, like, not do crazy shit. And we'll talk about Google in a little bit, because... Yeah, I was gonna say, we were yeah. also using Google Hangouts uh, on top of it at the at that time. Yeah, that... Because I want to see your pretty faces. Yeah, fucking Google really screwed us over, and we'll, we'll talk shit about Google in a little bit. But um, I just want... I wanted to talk about the alpha, though. I had a... That was one of my first experiences ever playing 
a tabletop RPG, and I had a killer time. Does anyone else remember that? Because I remember it pretty clearly. I mean, I remember it pretty vividly. I remember it fairly well. I don't remember it. If you tell me what happened, I will. I just, we have so many names. You police brutalityed me in the basement. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. How could I forget? So Graham didn't even have his character done yet. So Graham wasn't talking, and Google Hangouts was was automatically jacking up his uh, his gain levels. So his mic would just get extremely loud occasionally whenever he did, like, jump in. I also think he was, like, almost dying. He was so sick. But I do remember right off the bat, <laughs> I thought he was hilarious because he started talking about things being on fire. But then a, a, a cat was introduced, and I had no idea what Dylan's character was. And there was just this cat there, and then this this thing in the center of the room that looked pretty ominous. So G instantly suggested we just sacrifice the cat to it because one of the NPCs just got like eat. Well, no, no, that was that was before. G was like, "Oh, let's throw the cat at it," and then G picked up the cat. Oh no! Or did you, Jared? I think you picked up the cat. Somebody picked up the cat. It's very possible. Yeah, and then just kind of hucked it without even thinking about it. I mean. That is Johnny's signature move. Just just <laughs> chucking cats. Just chucking cats. But, but that's just when Dylan things. that's when Dylan just started going, meow, meow, meow. And then and then Graham like busted in and was like, wait, so you're just saying meow like some sort of cat Danny DeVito? And that was like <laughs> probably the first amazing Warplords joke that landed. Like <laughs> And yeah, and then silliness ensued after that. Which games is Graham playing in? He's in Fractured World. All of them except for he, Shanghai. Or, I mean, he's not in Missin yet. He's probably he's going to be in Missin, but he wasn't there for that first session. Because yeah. I was going to say, it's a it's a theme. He always starts his, his first sessions without having his character done. It's true. Because <laughs> the same thing happened in 9R. It's like, all right, I haven't done any of this yet. Okay. Yeah, you've only had four months. <laughs> hey, man. I need structure. The heist was funny too. That that was a good that was a good time, man. I I've had a lot of fun playing with you guys. It's been been awesome. Um, but yeah, then then we can Thank get into back. how fucked up Google is. Uh, so <laughs> I discovered this. Fuck Google. Just throwing that out there. Fuck Google. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, if you're listening to this right now and you have any intention of recording audio remotely while playing with your friends through a computer and the internet. Do not use Google Hangouts. And if you do, you need to basically root the program code to get rid of its automatic gain adjuster. Our audio was, I'm not going to use that word. It was ravaged by this automatic gain adjuster. People would be quiet. They'd be loud. Mine was fine. Mm, I mean, everyone's, everyone's went through as soon as I, as soon as I got an audio interface, no problem. Oh, so I mean, yes. Don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. But we didn't use Hangouts while you had your interface. We already stopped using Hangouts at that point. I can't remember. I can. Uh, yeah. So, so that was the first thing. Hangouts totally screwed us. And then here is the other thing. Uh, what we're using right now, which is Clean Feed, uh, it, it's a fantastic service, by the way. Uh, we pay for premium, and I suggest you do too if you want to do this. It creates high quality uh, WAV files for. Each one of the people of the people that are talking, uh, it has separate tracks for everybody. But it was still in beta at that point, and we could never figure out why. But a couple, there was a couple instances where we just lost audio entirely. 
I believe the first one that that happened to was what eventually became the Alpha series you just listened to. Uh, my track just disappeared. I had a random disconnect. And then we also lost all of episode three, right? Well, I mean, we redid all three of the Alpha episodes, and we redid uh, episode three. Yeah, it was episode three. Did we have to do another one, though? We had to redo the one in the cave, and I think we had to redo the one where we first got Oh, we also town. had to redo episode, I think, like six. We ended up having to redo another one as well. Yeah, one of them, we lost half the, half the stuff, right? Like, we had to do redo three, and then we also had to redo four, which became four and five essentially because because you completely revamped that experience and yeah we ended up doing a lot more stuff it it ended up taking a lot longer absolutely but yeah. i thought it was for the, the benefit of the experience yeah i mean i had more fun i feel like there was one thing that was lost and i continued to reference a joke that was lost yeah Something about buttons. I can't remember what it was. I just It was something about buttons. It was about buttons. It absolutely was about buttons. Yeah, there was a joke. No one knows what it is. It was lost. But it was about buttons, and I think that Johnny referenced the button joke in probably the following like several sessions. Yeah, so if you're listening to this right now and you're one of the few What are the button jokes? What are the button jokes? I don't get it. <laughs> if you're if you're one of the few people who actually took the time to listen to episode zero and double zero, you're in for a treat here because I'm not gonna tell you what the button joke was about, but you know that there is a button joke and it had meaning at one point. <laughs> oh. I'll just give you a little hint. It was Mr. G being a fucking idiot and, and Johnny being an asshole. So, on brand. You just finished listening to the Alpha episodes, so I'm sure you're surprised at that, that that character development would come completely out of left field. Neither of those characters are acting like that right now, so... There's no wrong way to do it. Have fun. Live your life. Don't tell me what to do. If I want to watch Empire and then... Revenge of the Sith, and then Return of the Jedi, that is my prerogative. You know, for a second, I thought you were talking about Empire, the show about that music label in Chicago, (laughs) and I was like, oh, I didn't know Dylan got down with that, but okay. (laughs) It's funny, because I was also thinking of a show, but I was thinking of Boardwalk Empire, (laughs) but like, in my mind, Empire was Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire is great. I, I have not seen much of it. I just know that the funny looking guy is in it. <laughs> Steve Buscemi? <laughs> it's funny. That was all I had to say. You knew who I meant. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is quite funny looking. I, I can yeah. see why you like him, though, because he's very frog-like. I do like frogs. Which actually... He is pretty frog That segues really well, because I just wanted to reiterate, basically, guys, if you didn't really digest what we just said there, basically, we re-recorded... At alphas one two and three after we already recorded a good chunk of fractured world so if you hear differences in audio quality uh if the characters seem a little more hashed out than they were uh if if there's any sort of inconsistencies that's why and canonically space magic so now that gap is filled that's that's why space magic fucky space magic and alternate dimensions fix everything and uh, that's where I'm going to hand it off to Dylan, because I think uh, this is a good opportunity to talk about, like, some of the cool shit that happened in Warp Lords before we started recording Warp Lords. And before I was there, I mean, I've heard some stories about all these campaigns and these characters. 
Jesus Christ, where do I even start? I mean, we're not looking for an entire <laughs> summary, but I feel like Jared... Maybe you talk and... about some of the stuff that like made it to the book. Like which book? Oh, that book. Uh, yeah, the book. Okay. The one that the one that the one that is sold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the actual rule book that you need to play the game, that thing. Okay. Yeah, well, I so mean, say, there are plenty of books written on written about about the things we've done. Okay. Yeah, at this point, uh, when this releases 3 weeks later, we're going to have many a, beer, a book by the way. written about I'm us. Be right back. Be right back. Yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about about the world of Warplords and and uh, some of the fun shenanigans you guys had before I was even a part of your group here. Uh, well, I created the world when I was ten as a way to fill time and entertain myself. Skipping ahead quite a bit, I used it to run a Pathfinder campaign around 2012 because I hadn't been able, I hadn't figured out how to make my own game yet, so I just used one that I already knew worked. Several of the characters in that campaign ended up becoming gods in the setting when I pretty much hit the reset button and had the original universe explode and a whole multiverse come up as a result of that. So they are now in the book as gods and they have skills named after them uh pretty much the entire pagan path for a priest is references to characters that already existed either in my own stuff or characters that people played before if some character seems like a goofy fabulous idiot chances are jared played them it's <laughs> <That's> true <laughs> perfect timing dude <laughs> Hey, man, there's a reason why bard skills are as fun as they are, because I made characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the first official playtest of Warp Lords a couple of years ago, before the podcast or anything of that, all I had was the core mechanic and a formula for working out how to make custom <clears throat> skills. So we pretty much sat around and made up skills as we went, and Jared made up a lot of the bard skills. I recall one specifically where we were fighting like a number of people and it was kind of just like a complicated type battle. And do you remember which bard skill I used, which completely negated the entire thing? Yeah, you used safety dance and turned a giant assault on a castle into a perfectly choreographed musical number. <laughs> That's how you win a battle. <laughs> Yeah, I was sneaking around the back of that fortress or whatever we were breaching into, and I just remember everyone starting to dance, and I was like, oh, all right, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) So in the second official campaign to playtest Warp Lords, Jared had just moved to Texas, and he wasn't able to play with us. So one day he sent me an idea for a character I could introduce as an NPC, called Tysandral Ty Nayweener, a.k.a. the Funslinger. Oh, God. The fun oh, it was slinger. Tiny Wiener. That was the joke, <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, Tiny yeah, Wiener. Tiny Wiener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I forgot about that. I didn't. For some context, Danger had just suggested some rules where if you roll five numbers in a row, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or whatever... 
then that's a straight, and you automatically win whatever you're trying to do. So, the party finds Tiny Wiener, the fun slinger, <laughs> in a crashed alien spaceship, and he starts firing off wild magic, and the party ends up on a boat, and then they end up on the roof of a hillbilly mansion. He uses safety dance to cause all the hillbillies to start dancing, and the very first roll he made was a straight. He rolled one, two, three, four, five, and it was the first time that had ever happened since Danger suggested that new rule. I was full of regrets in that moment. The Funslinger ascended to become the god of musicals and dance numbers. On the spot. He ascended to heaven on a rainbow as the music crescendoed around him and wasn't seen again until Danger introduced him in a Mardi Gras thing. <laughs> That's absurd. You know, it's funny. I feel like a lot of people out there are going to listen to this and be like, Jared, you introduced a lot of stupid characters, <laughs> and now they're stuck there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of ridiculous things Jared has done, oh, there's a running joke that people who are played by Jared or worship characters Jared has made have the highest likelihood to become gods because they keep ascending through dumb luck. Ew. It's fucking true, though. How many times did it happen? Because there, the, there was the fun slinger? Too damn many. Harkin became a god. He was the first one because he survived the original Pathfinder campaign. Then there was Anil, who was the first one to draw the world from wild magic and declared that an entire flash mob that he had just led through a rioting city was beautiful, and then he ascended to become the god of beauty. Then there was the Funslinger, who was the first character to roll a straight since it was introduced and became the god of dances. Then there was Steve Wozniak, the space cowboy, who worshipped Harkin and was played by Graham, <laughs> wild magic himself into becoming a god. Then there was Oodles who you played in Danger's last campaign, who became a frog god at the end of that campaign. Frog. <laughs> wait, wait. So was that through, was that last case through dumb luck, or was that through um for, through uh, hard-fought combat and just His the... entire character was dumb luck. <laughs> yeah, his, his entire character was dumb luck, he so... Was completely built Both. Around. Sorry, you go, Danger. This was probably better explained by you. Oodles came into that campaign when pretty much everyone was either a god or on the verge of becoming a god, and Jared reluctantly didn't really want to play a combat character in an entirely combat-driven campaign, so Oodles fucking happened. <laughs> yeah, made a socialite. Was he a so He was a socialite. Uh, essentially, he would just throw random items based off of his luck out of a bag, um, and he had no idea if these items were in there, but if he passed his luck check, they would seemingly appear and uh, be tossed out of the bag, and it was fucking silly. It seems like that would get old, but it did not get old. It was constantly funny. It was very funny. I remember Danger telling me, and then also Dylan chimed in here too, but I think it was specifically you, Danger, who told me the only other engineer that's really been in the party before was cons was eaten alive by Oodle's bag. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, like, 
Eaten is a strong word. Craig is kind. Craig was kind of an engineer, but at the time I was playing him, he wasn't super focused on that. He was more focused on his portals. But there was an engineer in the last campaign who the the party was rescuing with help of their waitress, um, who started helping them in their cause. And Oodles' bag doesn't didn't like when other people touched it, and nobody knew this. And he got his arms ripped off by the bag that grew teeth, and it consumed his arms. And then he didn't help the party because he was super butthurt about it. We offered to give him new arms. He was just being a bitch about it. <laughs> you still gave him the new arms. He was just still being a bitch about it. To but be I mean, fair, I think Oodles did know that the bag didn't like when other people. You touched did. It. You and failed he, your check. And I think he Oodles. warned him. He was like, don't touch my bag. It's not going to end well with you. And then fucking see you later, arms. I think like, we gave him robot arms, though, right? So, yeah. like, no harm, no foul. Have fun doing science with more accurate robotic arms. So, <laughs> I feel like that's a great moment to segue. Using robotic appendages to do things that you normally do with, with biological appendages. So... I'll I'll be completely honest about this because this uh is definitely something that is difficult for me. Um part of DMing that I find to be as magical of an experience as it is is gauging people's reaction and seeing people's reaction in person. Um I find it a little bit easier to kind of like role play and really get into it when you're in the nitty-gritty with people in person. So when I moved from Vermont to New Hampshire and we started, I started DMing over Skype, it was really hard for me to get into. And it's just, it's a weird experience being in a room alone, not looking at people and just staring at a blank computer screen. It's, it, it takes a lot. I agree with Danger 100%. I personally love the experience of getting around a table with your friends and just hanging out. Maybe take a break halfway through to order delivery or bring like a giant bag full of weird snacks you found on the internet. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a much different experience doing it this way. I disagree. <laughs> Uh, for me, I actually prefer doing it this way. Granted, I will agree with one thing that Dylan said about like the, I do like battle maps. I think that battle can be more interesting sometimes when it's easier to like have it physically there instead of in your collective imagination. But like, I don't know. Outside sucks, dude. I'd rather stay home. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Outside does suck, but. Going yeah. and hanging out for game is, like, the one thing I like going outside for. But no, there definitely are aspects about doing it this way that I think, like, certain aspects of it, it's kind of nice. Just being able to be home, you don't have to... It is definitely more convenient. Yeah. I don't have to put on pants, which is always a great thing. Sometimes I have to take um, off pants. Like, I'll put on PJs yeah. just because I need to be maximum comfort to focus. Oh, dude, yeah, I feel that. Um, it's also kind of nice because I can actually kind of spread out and keep all of my notes in different places and I don't really have yeah. to like, it's like I'm, I'm in my own space, so I'm comfortable with how everything is set up and I have everything open and available to me at once, which is pretty nice. It's pretty convenient, but it took a lot of getting used to. I definitely miss Tyler's giant man table as opposed to like Jake's tiny little folding card table. 
<laughs> Bigger tables yeah. do help for role-playing games, yeah. It's it's true. It's absolutely true. There's another thing I think that, that works better uh, if you're all physically there together. Uh, having DMs just take one character aside and talk to them. Like, our yep. version of it is earmuffs, you know? Uh, everyone, everyone just... The honor system, don't listen. It's easier if you can, like, go, hey, come in the kitchen with me for a minute, or... Hey, why don't you grab a smoke while I tell you how your character's seeing some weird shit? Right. I have to say, though, we haven't really used earmuffs that much yet, though. I think Danger used it once, and I used it once. So, yeah, I think this is a good time to talk about the format. Uh, so, I, as I actually, I sent out a tweet today. Uh, <laughs> I hate myself oh, for dude, being like on Twitter. Eight people that follow you on Twitter are probably like, yes! So, I, I, I put out that uh, we're going to be telling our stories differently than, I mean, I maybe another podcast has done this. I haven't seen it, though, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. How we're moving forward with this is all four of us, Danger... Jared, Dylan, and I have our own worlds and our own campaigns, and we're going to be releasing those in seasons. Uh, the first season is going to be five to six episodes, maybe like five to seven episodes uh, as like mini arcs to kind of introduce you to the world and let people get into gear. And then after that, we're going to be doing 10 to 15 uh, episode long arcs. That's how we're going to be moving forward. Like theoretically, uh, with that 10 to 15 number uh there's going to be four seasons a year and uh that's how we're doing it and uh i mean we haven't really been in a room together or like a virtual room together and talked about this and i'm curious like this was like my idea uh i'm curious how everyone feels about it so far like now we've we've officially played at least one session of each campaign we've played six sessions of shanghai station we've played a lot more of Fractured World. I think we've played a total of maybe 18 sessions of Fractured World. Not counting the reshoots. <laughs> Not counting the fucking reshoots. Yeah, it's good. It's at like 20 in that case. And then Heist of Happenstance. Yeah, it's probably closer to 24 at this point, actually. Yeah. Uh, and we've played one session of uh, Dylan's Missing Campaign and of uh, Jared's Nine Realms Campaign. And uh, how do you guys feel about uh, about the format and what we're doing here? I like the format. I think it gives people variety and also gives the DMs a break so they don't burn out. As one of the DMs in the campaign, I like getting time to organize my notes and my thoughts, but then in the downtime, after I, you know, plan stuff, I start to tinker, and then I just want to DM again, and it becomes a problem. But I do like that we're switching off. I think it's interesting to show, you know, as many different options for the system as possible because it is so versatile. So I think it's pretty cool that everybody gets to see what everyone's working on and everyone has a hand in what we're doing here, which I think is pretty cool. One thing that I think about it, uh, I feel like each of our styles, like our tastes when it comes to the, the worlds that we've made, I feel like they're all pretty different. Yeah. Yeah, like that's that's cool. Like even if the storytelling in some ways, I feel like that's probably different too. I don't know, but the the whole worlds are just drastically different. Now that we've all like dipped our toes into each other's like content, like I'm starting to see like how different everyone's approach is. You know, and I have to say I completely agree with you Danger because I've been going down so many freaking rabbit holes with Shanghai. Uh at this point, I think we played Shanghai when was that was over the summer, wasn't it? uh early summer i, I think. think so 
Graham had to do something for work, so... It was, like, I, May or June around there. Yeah, but I mean, like, so I've been working on a lot of that stuff, and we're not going to be... I, I think D- Dylan and I were talking about this, and I think we're not going to be playing Shanghai until March-ish. I uh, And I've just been going down so many rabbit holes, and but the thing is, is, like, when I first did Shanghai, the six episodes that are going to be coming out, I put all that shit together in, like, essentially two weeks. And it was a slog. Did you start by drawing a map? No, I did not start by drawing a map. You fucked up, man. That's step one. Draw a map. <laughs> I started by pitching a module to to Dylan and uh and Danger and like the rest of the group. And guess what happened in the first? <laughs> it was... What happens in the first session? <laughs> Where's the fucking map, bro? <laughs> you know what, though? Again, no, there was a map. Fuck. There was a map. I just, there's there's reasons you don't get a map, okay? <laughs> there's reasons. Excuses, excuses. That's one thing I've started doing over, over my time as a DM, is I make two maps. One that my players can see, and one they can't. Yeah, yeah, well, there, there there's reasons why, you guys will find out why you can't have a map, and it'll make canonical sense, and just, just as a fucking, anyway, my point is, though, is I've been having a lot of fun with it, and the way the world's fleshed out over the last several months is crazy, like, I've had so much time to get this stuff together for potentially 10 to 15 sessions, and I've got, like, a lot of really cool stuff now, and I'm just so excited to, like, share it with you guys, it's gonna be fucking oh, awesome. dude, we're gonna ruin it. We're going to go the other way and it's going to be the hardest fucking thing. You guys, oh no, you're not you're not railroaded. Like you can go wherever the fuck you no, want. We'll find we'll find a way. We'll find the other way. We'll fu- Someone's going to fucking talk to fish by sticking their head underwater. Something's <laughs> going to happen you don't expect. Yeah. Like- <laughs> definitely. I we'll see. We'll see. But um I I think this is a good Does anyone else want to add anything to that about the rotating uh GM? I mean, like, what's the general theme of each of ours? Maybe that might be interesting. Just if someone if someone happens to be listening to this before and they're curious which ones they want to. Well, I'm thinking we this is a good time to segue into us talking about our worlds, and we'll just we'll just talk about them in the order that they're going to release. Uh, so oh, that right. would probably be danger first if you want to talk about your world. And again, let's try to yeah. let's try not to have any spoilers. So this is right after um right after we took off into space and crashed. So the campaign I'm running is called the Fractured World campaign. And when I first started writing this, I actually used the help of all of my players from the last campaign. So uh, people that you, the listeners, will know would be Jared, Dylan, and Graham. So their characters essentially had a hand in creating a a brand new universe. And when I started thinking of what I wanted to do next, I had this idea for this super ambitious campaign where, um, essentially, as you find out here, um, the world the players are from is dying. They need to find the relics in order to save their world, and it's like an ambitious treasure hunt across an unknown galaxy. There are going to be a ton of different worlds that you guys hopefully end up going to. Um, we'll see. Who knows what's going to happen at this point. But essentially, the players crash land uh, on the first planet, and our campaign starts there. 
but worlds are are many different shapes, sizes, uh, different themes and tones. So it's really going to be a lot of cool exploration, and we'll uh, we'll see how long it takes for you guys to fully dive in and find out a lot of fun secrets and such. Basically, um, the thought process behind everything is giving new players an opportunity to explore a deep and diverse universe that I've kind of created for Warp Lords. Um, the universe itself is called the Trickster's Paradise, and I want to basically set up something so people will be able to jump in with worlds that we all already kind of make. So when we eventually release the game on Kickstarter, wink wink people at home, um, people will immediately be able to jump in somewhere. And then for the players in this campaign, it'll be uh, a nice little Easter egg if they run into their old uh, characters or run into something from the last game. So it also maybe entices the players in our party a little bit more um, to explore. Yeah, please don't. Because I want to explore shit. I want to find out who G is, too. Who is G? We'll, We'll get there. You would describe your game as like a sci fantasy type thing? I would sci-fi game. It is going to bridge uh the the full spectrum between fantasy, sci-fantasy and sci-fi. Um all depending on where you go. How about hard sci-fi? I mean, there there is a hard sci-fi uh, world. Can we create a new genre called thick sci-fi? <laughs> thick fi? Thick fi. fi Well, <laughs> if we now have lo-fi, when do we get hi-fi? Hi-Fi exists. Hi-fi it's called exists, High Fidelity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's called John Cusack. Oh, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm more trying to make a High Five joke there than anything else. But. <laughs> that would be well. Shanghai is going to come out next. Uh, oh, after so I that, say yeah. Words with your mouth. Yeah, I'm going to say words. So, um, <laughs> the next campaign that's going to be played is going to be uh, Shanghai Station. Basically, as I alluded to earlier, I was looking to create a module. I thought it would be really cool to create this hub, uh, this kind of like gritty sci-fi world where bounty hunters and, and all different walks of life come to pick up bounties. And then that would be a good jumping off point for being able to create, similar to what Danger was saying with his idea, uh, just like a really wide ranging and diverse amount of worlds people could go to. And I thought it would be a really cool way to just create a hub to canonically base all these modules out of but then uh graham needed to take a whole month off so i kind of like put my hat in the ring and said like well i'd love to run this module if i can throw something together and i created one bounty and as i was creating that i started accidentally creating an entire world and it just became shanghai station with a planet laguna underneath it the universe that this place is in, or like the corner of the galaxy this place is in, is mostly human-controlled. Uh, Shanghai Station is a uh, station that hovers above a planet called Laguna, and that planet has a really rich history uh, between the indigenous people that live there and various corporations that have discovered and then exploited this planet. And in its current state, when the characters arrive there um two of them are bounty hunters two of them were prisoners actually sent to the station to occupy the prison planet below it they're sent off on this mission and it kind of just got out of hand a little bit i mean i thought it was going to take two or three sessions to play and it ended up taking about six uh i think everyone had a lot of fun and 
ever since then, I've been really building a lot of stuff around it. Um, I don't want to call it hard sci-fi because that was kind of my approach originally, but there's a lot of new stuff I've added to it where it's a little more Warplords-y. Uh, I tried to kind of bring it in step with Warplords' idea of anything can happen and this diversity that's available. So uh, I'm homebrewing a lot of stuff that uh, so far, the little bit that Dylan's seen, he was pretty cool with, like with weapon mechanics. Are you there, Dylan? Oh, yeah. I was just letting you go. The tricky part here, guys, and I'm talking to the audience here, is that we can't talk to each other about our shit because we're going to play that shit in the future. So it actually makes it really tough for us to like right. brainstorm ideas without giving shit away. So a lot of the stuff I've designed, Dylan hasn't even seen yet. But I, what he did see was um, I built some weapon mechanics that were kind of cool for like sci-fi weapons, like different archetypes of ranged weapons. I also built shrapnel mechanics, which I think I told you about my shrapnel mechanics, right, Dylan? Oh, yeah. I thought the trapnode mechanics were quite interesting. Yeah, so I like I feel like something I'm trying to do here is uh add a m- more sci-fi options to Warplords, but also like I like sci-fi a lot. I like Fallout a ton. Fallout's like probably my favorite video game of all time, Fallout 1 and 2. I kind of created a sci-fi world with that in mind and then started to rein it in into Warplords. So there's going to be a lot of variety, but it very much is a sci-fi world. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of stuff to explore there. And uh, the cast of characters we have are great. Uh, again, not giving anything away, but uh, I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy a few of our goofier people <laughs> that are playing with us. Or not. Or or not. Or not at all. Or not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line, guys. That's a, that's a good segue, though, because uh, next up would be, would be Nine Realms, which is uh, Jared's campaign. Oh, shit. Okay. The goofiest of all, probably. Oh, well, I struggled to be serious. I I will admit that freely. I like sci-fi for sure, but I'm definitely more of like a fantasy guy. Like I grew up playing uh, a lot of like JRPGs and shit. So when I was making Nine Realms, I actually, my original thought was, uh, this is going to be dumb, actually. The alignment system, uh, law, good, evil, neutrality, all of that stuff. So that's actually where the Nine comes from. Uh, but in what I wanted to do was create animals, I guess. Uh, so what I did with the group was ask them, like, if they wanted to play like a humanoid animal, what would they want to do? Uh, and we, I kind of actually worked with everyone else, uh, to see what they would want their places to be like. And then I completely abandoned my original alignment idea and then just kind of went from there. Tell, tell me more about your fur fetish. I knew that this would come. <laughs> Of the origin of Nine Realms was essentially me coming up with these different like humanoid animal types, but then I started thinking like you know what would what would their place be in this this continent, just like normal normal world building stuff like what's the what's the government like there you, you know what are the people like, uh, what kind of personalities do they have, and then I thought of the idea to include something called uh, elemental affinities, things that people could do that um, just were based off of their race, and originally I had the plan to just have each of the races have specific ones, but I thought it would be more interesting if the characters came up with what they wanted to do as long as it fell within the parameters that I'd set up. So I don't know. It it seems fun to me. I, I feel like it's it's a decent plan. We'll see if it gets broken by some of our, uh, you know, some of our characters. <laughs> Only time will tell. Are you talking about Devin? Perhaps. 
Because Devin is the game breaker of of uh, game breaking. Devin breaking the game? When does he do Some that? Some people play games to win, you know? <laughs> and they have to be represented. This is true, actually. And and I I value Devin's contribution to Shanghai for sure. <laughs> Posted power, posted power, posted power. I don't. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I when we were designing the uh, this seasonal system, this like rotating GM format, this I thought it would be the most fitting to have the creator of the game wrap it up, kind of. Uh, and and it's not. I'm not saying that it's going to be over when Missin is played, but what I'm saying is that like on the the cherry on the top would be the original game so uh yeah dylan if you want to talk about missing i think we're all really excited about that i was gonna say so like for me starting with role-playing games i started with a a game called pathfinder and i don't know where you guys all started but uh the game setting that i was playing in was not the original pathfinder setting i was playing in a different one so i think that the concept of having someone doing the original setting is kind of cool not sure if that many people can relate to that but i think a lot of people get really really hung up on homebrew stuff because creativity is fun. So I, I was particularly excited to go back to Mizzen because I have been there. Fuck you. <laughs> this is true. You have. In the Pathfinder campaign that I ran years ago, it was in this world that I created when I was a small child. And I used it as pretty much a dumping ground for all the ideas I wanted to play around with for the last 20 years. Basically, it evolved slowly over time with writing stories, imagining scenarios, uh, doing role-playing on AOL Instant Messenger, and eventually the Pathfinder campaign. I would follow around different groups of characters and go through their whole lives, and then their children, and then their grandchildren, and so on and so forth. And it got to be very complicated and messy. To the point where it's almost resembles an actual mythology with how complicated and messy it is. Yeah, there's a lot of different locations on the planet Midsen itself that are flushed out to an almost insane degree. And I hadn't done anything with the setting for quite a few years, so I kind of wanted to go back to it and revisit it. Because we had been doing stuff in other dimensions, and I had an idea for a way to potentially break the game. All of the characters are people who are from other dimensions, who died or found a portal or whatever, and they ended up on Mizzen. And they all got to pick one hilariously overpowered, broken thing that sets their characters apart. It's a good time. And hilarity ensued. And it did. Because that first session was super goofy. I loved it. (laughs) I think that it will annoy some people. I think what you're saying is that you will annoy some people. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it's my fault. It's just my fault. (laughs) You guys ever make a character and uh, when you go to play it, you just don't have a character voice in mind and then you just make one and you run with it and then like shortly after you're like ah fuck like this is kind of annoying (laughs) yeah same but like with the character concept but hey it's funny i guess oh fuck i almost completely forgot i didn't explain what genre mizzen is at all very high science fantasy is the best way to put it 
like technology advanced to the point where humans are a type five civilization on the Kardashev scale. So yeah, there's all sorts of higher dimensional beings running around in weird pocket dimension clusterfuckiness. Like even the lower tiers of society where people don't realize all the weird shit going around is still a like type three civilization. Mizzen itself is a completely artificial planet that was designed and created by an advanced society. So, like, they can control their weather, they can, like, enclose areas of space into pocket dimensions, all sorts of weird fucky shit. They also tend to wear strange hats. (laughs) That's one specific character, and they're not even from Mizzen. Uh, Don't forget the magical girls. Oh, that's right, the magical girls. Can never forget the magical girls. You do have a tendency to create very cutesy characters. That's just because I am a giant weeb and I like watching shows made for eight-year-old Japanese girls. Can confirm. It's a it's a high sci fantasy world with anime and cutesy tendencies. Also, fun fact. Don't put me in a box. Several years ago, Jared pitched Twin Peaks to me when I hadn't seen it before, and his way of pitching it to me was Hey, you know that what weird place we went in your Pathfinder campaign? It reminded me of Twin Peaks and David Lynch. It's good. It's a compliment from past it, Jared. I took it as a comp- I took it as a compliment. Good on and you. And I still do. To mention, I mean, Missin's. I'm excited to explore Missin. It's going to be fucking weird, especially because <laughs> of our powers and because our somebody can't make a fucking serious <laughs> character to save his goddamn life. Oh, who are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the person I played with last night that couldn't do a single serious character voice for a, a cast of, what, eight NPCs? <laughs> well, some people have to talk like this, and that's what everyone sounds like. To clarify, certain, you're the only person who made a serious character for Mizzen. Me? Yes, you. I made the most serious character, bruh. Hey. My character's pretty serious. I'm pretty serious about my character, I'll tell you what. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were serious about smoking weed. (laughs) I I didn't specify what my character's serious about. I mean, unrelated side note, uh, where's the chilies, guys? (laughs) Does anyone Um, see a chilies around here? I feel like the next time we're all in a room, that room has to be a chilies. That's actually pretty important. We should I see mean, if we can play Dwarf Lords at Chili's. Would you let us record here? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so terrible. I hate everything about that. <laughs> Jared, the voice of reason. So I think I think a good way to close this out, uh, firstly, is there anything else anyone wants to say to the audience before they dive face first into our multiple worlds of fuckery? I'm just I'm just gonna let you all know. I, for one, am very excited about the 420 episode. <laughs> planning it, dude. For I years. am the most reluctant person to do that, but I, I will do it. And that's another thing we're going to be doing, ladies and gents, listening to the thing that we're doing right now. Is we we recorded a Halloween episode. We had a really good time, and it was really fun. And we all played characters that we knew very little about, except for some of you knew more about some of them than I did. And Dylan just put together pre-gens from the previous campaigns, and I played a douchebag angel, and it was so much fun. The holiday ones that I want to do are going to be a similar format, where it's pre-gens based on past campaigns and something related to a past thing. 
pregens are also just kind of fun in general, regardless of if they're returning characters or not. I figured a good way to wrap this up would just be to say like, what what the hell are we doing here, guys? What are we what are we doing with this this thing? What do we? What I have written in our the only episode we've ever really outlined ever. <laughs> <laughs> I have written what we hope to achieve with no punctuation. That's also not well, an actual sentence. It might be. I there's I feel like there's a couple goals that we have. We all in our own way have been working on Warp Lords and have gotten pretty like invested in the development of it over the years and I've seen it turn into something really really special. So just kind of putting that on a platter from the people who make it to show you how it's played and how fun and how refreshing it is to play. I think that's kind of the number number one thing we're doing here and then we're also establishing kind of like a universe and different places that players can go to explore as they see fit when the game releases yeah totally i'm i'm having a lot of fun building worlds and playing the game just like playing warp lords and playing a tabletop it's been a lot of fun and more cool guns and sci-fi shit cyborgs or fantasy if you like (laughs) Nine R, if you like fantasy, it's funny. I I, we haven't really uh, talked about it yet, but like, there's so many sci like sci-fi skills in the game. I'm just, I guess, I'm just gonna be like, nah, can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't noped anything either yet. I mean, not really. I kind of soft noped posted power, but that's because (laughs) Devin was being a dick about it. Posted power was also broken though and needed to be patched. Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a document open right now that I'm working on. Like I'm, I'm building some stuff for Shanghai right now, which is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully it can make it into the core book uh, once Dylan looks it over and tells me where I done fucked up. Well, uh, it would be cool if other people listened to our thing, like if they thought that it was cool and it gave them ideas. I suppose that would be that would be good. Yes, listen to <laughs> listen to the thing that we've dumped hours and hours and hours into. Listen to our fun. It can be your fun too. I mean, and like I think the whole idea of doing a podcast to begin with was I f- I'm sorry if I'm repeating something that you already said, but we we didn't really know how to market uh Warp Lords like how, how do you how do you market something that no one knows about yet? So we were like, let's make a fucking podcast, maybe someone will listen to it and then they'll want to play. So if if people bought the Warp Lords game, that would be tight. Or if they pirated it and played it, that would be less tight, but still tight. Or if they pirated <laughs> it and they really liked it, then maybe they could get, they could like buy it officially later. And then they could make a Wikipedia uh, wiki page. <laughs> <laughs> please, if you ever have the opportunity to buy our product, please buy it. It supports yeah, pi- us. Pirate it and make a wiki page instead. <laughs> please some of us are incredibly poor think of it as charity i would love to be not poor it'd be pretty tight yeah guys that's how we're gonna do that we're gonna do it with a podcast as jared said well, no one's ever thought about doing this before <laughs> yeah absolutely not <laughs> well hey all of the articles i write about online marketing pretty much said step one already be famous and leverage your social media following Speaking of which, smash that like button, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all the things. Do that. Discord, Grinder, Indeed, all the things. 
Yes, yes. Look up our Warplords indeed. <laughs> that totally exists. <laughs> uh, look us up on DeviantArt, FetLife. FetLife? Um, I don't even want to know. <laughs> it, it's the people that are going to be super into Nine Realms. <laughs> <laughs>